that again is so epic. Don't you love epic music? How many ready for an epic sermon? Okay. You came to the right place for an epic sermon. This is going to be amazing, but before I get into it. And so if you want to like, if you're anticipating, you're like so excited about it, you can turn to John chapter 21 because that's where we're going. If you have the Bible app, if you go into the sidebar, uh, there, there's like the three lines or whatever, and you hit events, you can find my sermon notes there, and so you'll be all ready to go. But just a heads up about next week. So we are doing Serve Sunday at 10 a.m. here and at Dryden. We are going to gather, and there will be no two-minute message. I'm just letting you know. I've planned five to seven minutes, because like saying good morning to you takes almost two minutes. Um, and, and so uh, that will be just a really abbreviated uh, just encouragement as we get ready to serve. We are going to be serving. And just so you know, this serving is not just for the adults. This is for the whole family um, to serve our community, to serve people um, with, with, the, with the love and grace of Jesus. We'll be serving community. We'll be serving some individuals. If you're like, what do I bring? Um, so I think Pastor Adam said this morning, wear play clothes or just, you know, like wear clothes that you don't mind doing some work in. Shall we say? Because how many know work is play? Yeah, try convincing your children of that. You know, I was like, yeah, all right. Work is play. That's what the pastor said. Um, we're going to play. Here's a rake. Um, I would, if, you have, if you have garden tools, you know, maybe you, you know, need some work gloves and stuff like that, we're going to be doing like some yard work and, and different things like that in different places. Um, we will be meeting back here uh, for, a, for a lunch together. Uh, it, it's just going to be, uh, it's not going to be like a high-end fancy meal, but we're going to have some soup and sandwiches together. And uh, it, how many know that it's not the, the quality of the food, it's the quality of the company that makes the difference? And so we'll come back and we'll just have some time just celebrating and debriefing. And so that will take place next week at 10 o'clock. All right. So, and it's also the end of our Moved by Hope series. I love this idea because how many know hope should move us? It shouldn't just put us in seats. It should motivate our behavior and our actions. And, um, you know, I, I began the question a couple weeks ago, um, what moves you? What moves you? And so we've been looking at a bunch of different things, but, but kind of right at the root of it is this idea that the resurrection of Jesus gives everyone a reason to hope. Because where there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. And so if we can begin to have hope today, it's going to begin to move and compel us in order to, to impact and change our world. Last week, we talked about finding courage, that the hope Jesus brings inspires new life. And instead of living in fear, we, we can begin to move out and we can begin to move and, and allow God's grace to touch and change. So today, we're going to talk about developing resiliency. Okay, resilience defined as simply this. It is the capacity to withstand or recover or to recover quickly from difficulties. Okay, I'm going to read that again. Resiliency. It is, uh, again, it is the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly. Everybody say recover quickly. I don't know about you, but have you noticed the older you get, the longer it takes to recover Oh my goodness, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about old people today. We're just talking about, but, but you know what I'm talking about, where we're sometimes like, oh my goodness, it's, how am I going to get up and do this again, right? 
The capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. Have you ever noticed that life is filled with difficulties? They happen in all sorts of ways. We can experience difficulties in relationships, in finances, in, in, in experiencing loss and disappointment. And sometimes what happens is in the midst of these difficulties, we begin to lose hope. And losing hope, we begin to lose the ability to find a way forward. And the truth is, is that life is difficult. And we experience these moments, and, and it can be a struggle to bounce back from them. But I'm convinced that God wants to do something in our hearts and in our lives through His hope to give us the strength to bounce back. Now, in life, we all experience different, different ways by which we fail, and sometimes we have epic fails. These epic fails can sometimes be expected. Now, how many of you enjoyed the rocket launch that happened this week? Okay, how many were not aware there was a rocket launch this week by SpaceX? Okay, all these people that are hiding and living under rocks. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. So I love rockets, because who doesn't love things that shoot way up in the air? Okay, so just so you know, this rocket is 400 feet tall. Okay, to give you a sense, like from here to there is maybe 16 feet. Okay, so how many times is that? Chuck, how many times is it from here? If this is about 16 feet? 24 times is the height of the rocket. Okay, it's the largest rocket that ever has been launched, and they're working on developing and stuff like this, and this was a test launch. You know how high their expectations were? They were like, if we can get this thing off the launch pad, we have succeeded. Okay, because how many know lifting something, four I mean, 400 feet tall, off the ground, you know, above the height of the stand, that's, that's pretty impressive. And so they're like, going, if we can get this thing up above the thing, we are, we've got to win on our hands. Well, they fired the candle. They lit the candle, let me tell you, and that thing went up 24 miles in the air. How many think that's pretty impressive? Now, with SpaceX, they have this great idea that you can actually not only launch a rocket, but you can land parts of the rocket and reuse them. And if you haven't seen what they've done, it's so amazing, but they got it up there and they have all the cameras on it and you can watch it trying to make the return and something went wrong. There was, it's a two-stage rocket, the first stage went up, but the second stage didn't release. And they're like going, okay, so we just can't keep this thing going and so they hit the button. And this is how they, this, this is what they called it. They said that this, that this thing that had gone up had a, it experienced a RUD, R-U-D, RUD, and it's an acronym, and I think it's a super cool acronym, and it stands for a rapid, unscheduled disassembly. <laughs> How many think that's pretty amazing? It was epic, because this 400-foot rocket, they, it went up, and they're like, yeah, it's not going to make it. And so they hit the button, and there was a rapid, unexpected disassembly, and they blew it up. And then the parts came down, and they picked them up, right? So I think, but it was planned. Did they get it off the thing? Like, it's a win. How many know sometimes we, we attempt things knowing, hey, this may not work, but that's okay. We're going to learn something in this thing. And so when we experience those failures... Yeah, they can be a little bit of disappointment, but, but sometimes we're just, we just kind of like cheer the thing that, hey, look, we actually accomplished something. 
But sometimes our failures are not epic like that. Sometimes those epic failures, they're not of the expected kind, but the unexpected. And sometimes we can have a, a confidence in our abilities or our circumstances, and, and we think, you know, it's going to do this, but then it doesn't. Now, as a husband, I want you to know, so Rachel and I, this summer we are going to celebrate 29 years of marriage, and I want you to know there are times I still try to impress my, my bride with my amazing physical feats. You, know, you may not realize this, but I try and impress her. I try and like, hey, baby, check this out. So I remember one time, um, we were at a playground, and I was just like, honey, watch what I'm going to do. Because it, it had one of those like monkey bar or hanging bar things, and it was a little bit higher than my head. And I said, watch what I'm going to do. I am going to grab that. I'm going to flip my feet around. I am going to rest my feet on the bars. And then I'm going to let go of my hands. And then I'm going to hang upside down by my toes. Hey, baby, watch this. Watch this, baby. And I just remember this moment because I was, I, was, I was around 40-ish. I remember it because I grabbed it and I put the feet. I flipped over. I put my feet on the bars. And I'm like, and I got it where I knew it was right. And then I let go of the bars slowly. And then I began to extend so that I could be hanging upside down by my toes. And then I experienced a rud. A rapid, unscheduled disassembly because I dropped and I landed on the top of my head right in front of my bride. And uh, yeah, that was epic. It was epic. Probably a little overconfident, just so you know, I haven't tried it in years. But at, you know, maybe at 29 years, I'll try it again. But, you know, we all struggle with, with, with failure sometimes where we, we have this expectation that this is going to go right. We have the confidence we can do this. But all of a sudden, we experience things in life. And all of a sudden, we wrestle with this feeling of failure. Sometimes it, it may be because of things that, 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 that we've done. It may be because of what other people have done. But we're in that place where we wrestle with disappointment, guilt, and shame. Anybody here ever dealt with disappointment, guilt, and shame? And they become the areas for us where we're like, oh, you know what? I'm not even going to talk about this stuff. Like, like don't, don't bring it up. If you, you, you've been in those uncomfortable moments where someone will bring up a subject that you don't want brought up because maybe you're a little embarrassed or a little ashamed by it, and you're like going, dude, I don't want to deal with it. And, and, and I'm convinced, this is what I know, I've been around people long enough, we've all got things we just don't like to talk about. Moments in our lives where, where our failures may have been epic. It may be that we're like, it was going to go this way, and it didn't go that way. And we wrestle with it. And sometimes it, because it becomes something that, that in, in a sense, holds us down. And this morning, as, as we think about this idea of developing resiliency, th this is the reason why I think resiliency is so important, is because we all deal with the setbacks, and we, we, we experience those failures, we experience those things that we're like, how do I get beyond this? And again, I'll come back to this idea that, that what we need is hope, that the resurrection of Jesus gives everyone a reason to hope. And that the hope that he gives, gives us a fortitude and a strength that allows us to come back and enables us to develop a resiliency that withstands the difficulties of life. And so as we think about this idea, my big idea is very simple. It is the grace of Jesus enables and empowers our stand. 
The grace of Jesus enables and empowers our stand. So just to help you understand once again what grace is, grace is God's love that is manifest toward us. Aren't you grateful to know this morning that you are loved? You are loved. And his love toward us flows from his faithfulness and his kindness. And it's manifest in our lives in generosity that what God loves to do is pour out grace into our lives. And it is this grace that gives us the ability to stand and overcome our failures and our disappointments. So like I said, we're going to look at John chapter 21 and we're going to focus on verse 15 through 22. Now, as we come to John 21, understand that this is the last chapter of the Gospel of John. And what we're going to focus on is the last scene before a very brief closing statement. And John is writing his entire Gospel because he is convinced that the life experienced through faith in Jesus changes everything. That when you experience this life, you tap into something that's greater even than death, discouragement, and disappointment. Now, as the chapter begins, the disciples are trying to figure out what to do next. You ever been in the place where you're trying to figure out what to do next? They've encountered the resurrected Jesus, but they're not sure, quite sure what the next steps look like. So they go back to doing something they are familiar with. They decide, we'll go fishing. How many know sometimes when you don't know what to do, you just go back and you just keep doing what it is you know to do? And so Peter, James, and John are like, you know, what are, what are we going to do? And Peter's like, guys, I don't know what you guys are going to do, but I just can't sit around here all day. I'm going to go fishing. And the other disciples are like, well, I guess we can do that. And so they all go out to go fishing. And it says they fished all night, and they caught nothing. It, it's interesting because when, when you read the early accounts, when Jesus goes out with the disciples, they, they've had fished all night and caught nothing. How many know that if you're a fisherman who can't fish, I mean, if you're a fisherman who doesn't catch fish, you may not be a very good fisherman? That's just, that's my story. I don't know what your story is, but I go out and fish and I'm like going, dude, nothing. We, we actually, I'm actually pretty good at fishing. I catch salad. That's generally what we bring home. I'm a vegetarian as a fisherman. That's really poor. Um, but anyways, Jesus is fishing with the disciples all night. Uh, sorry, the disciples are fishing all night. They catch nothing. And, and, and so they're coming back in in the morning, and as they're approaching the shore, someone standing on the beach calls out and asks, hey, did you catch anything? And they simply reply, nothing. So the man yells out, well, throw your nets on the other side. And so they do, and sure enough, they catch a whole lot of fish. And we find out once again, there's Jesus helping the boys fill the nets. It's an amazing catch. The disciples are overwhelmed. Peter ends up running out of the boat and then running back to the boat, and they end up getting everything on the shore. And the disciples have breakfast with Jesus. And after breakfast with Jesus, Jesus says, you know what? It's time to have a talk, Peter. Peter, it's time to have a talk. So we're going to begin reading at verse 15. And as we look through this passage, we're going to note three things, how God's grace enables and empowers resiliency in His followers. And so it says this in verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. 
Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? I want you to note what it says next. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. Okay, so in your theology, in your understanding of God, in your understanding of who Jesus is, is there room in your understanding of Jesus that sometimes he asks questions and he deals with issues that actually causes hurt and discomfort. You see, sometimes we think about the, the Jesus we need is the Jesus who makes us feel good. Yet sometimes the Jesus we need is the Jesus who addresses the difficult things in your life and mine. And it says that Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. As we look at this passage, I think there's a really important idea we need to wrestle with or understand. And that is this, the grace of Jesus confronts our failings. The grace of Jesus confronts our failings. Again, this passage begins with a tough conversation between Jesus and Peter. And it doesn't seem like this conversation was done just in private. It says after the disciples were eating, Jesus brings up this topic in front of them all. It was a conversation ultimately about Peter's failing. Now, if you remember on the upper room, the night Jesus was betrayed, while Jesus was preparing his followers for the impending distress they were going to experience, Peter, as Jesus is saying, you guys, dark moments and dark times are about to fall on us, and, and Jesus is sharing once again that, you know what, they're, they're going to take my life. And Peter, with his boldness, speaks out and says, I will lay down my life for you. I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, before the rooster crows three times this morning, you will deny me. Peter, I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus is like, no, actually what's going to happen is this, you will deny me. And if you read through the account, you see it in all the Gospels, that, that all of a sudden different ones come up to Peter. You know, John mentions there's this young girl that comes up and says, I know you, you were with Jesus, you're one of his disciples. And Peter's like, that's not me, I don't know who he is. The next person comes up. Hey, I've seen you with this Jesus guy. He's like, it wasn't me. And then the third time, and Peter's like, I don't know this man. And when he said it the last time, 
it says the rooster crowed. Now, when you read Luke's account, Luke adds this one little element to it that I just think is just like devastating. Because it says that when the rooster crowed, Jesus looked at Peter. He looked at Peter and Peter ran away. Have you ever been in those places where your failure makes it hard to look someone in the eye? Or you see this play out with children. Did you take that cookie? And the kid's like, right? As a parent, we always made our kids look us in the eye. Eyes up here. Look right here, right? We always made our kids look in our eyes because our natural tendency is we don't want people to look in our eyes. We don't, we don't want to be seen in those moments. So I remember as a kid, back when I used to wear makeup. See, now I got you intrigued. I was about five years old. Uh, I remember this happening to me. Like I have, I have that vivid, th this vivid memory. My, my sister and I, Daphne, we had broken into, well, we didn't really break into, we went into mom and dad's room where mom kept her makeup and we thought it was time to play. Now, back in the day, so this is the 70s, 1970s, like I'd be about 77 or something like that. Mom, I just remember, had this tube of blush. Do you guys remember the large tubes of blush? Do they have them now? I haven't been shopping for makeup in a while. So <laughs> anyways, we had a big tube of blush. And so my sister and I decided, hey, let's play. Now, we knew as kids we weren't supposed to play with mom's makeup, but hey, Mom's not around, and so we decided we'd start playing, and so my, you know, I was just like going, you know, we were, I don't know what we were playing, but I was, you know, I was going to be the man, and how we know if you're a man, you wear a beard. Right, Aaron? If you're a man, you got a beard, right? And so I took Mom's stick of blush, and I gave myself a nice beard, right? And I think I gave myself eyebrows, too, and then, and then my sister Daphne, she's doing all of this stuff, and again, we're probably five, maybe six. And, and all of a sudden, my dad comes home, and he calls upstairs, David, Daphne, come on down. I have a surprise for you. And in that moment, we're like going, oh, oh, no. Because I am sporting a magnificent blush beard. And nice eyebrows, right? And I was like, what are we going to do? And I remember because my sister and I were like, we have to remove all evidence of our crime. And so we grabbed our hands and we're wiping makeup off because we don't want to be seen. And, and then we, we look down at our hands and they are covered in blush. And so we're like, we got to get this off. So we went in mom and dad's closet on the walls and we're racing down with our hands. What do you guys? Yes, I was that child. <laughs> and we come downstairs because dad calls again, David, Daphne, come on down. I have a surprise for you. And my dad, in his great love for us, had brought us candy. <laughs> and I just remember how my sister and I came down the stairs to meet our dad. Our chins were as low as they could go. 
we're looking down like this, and Dad's like, I have something for you, and we're just like this, and he's like, look at me. I didn't realize my chin was so heavy to try and lift that thing. And you find out, and he looks up, and he sees, and you're like going, uh-oh. But have you ever had those moments where it's really hard to lift your eyes because of your shame, because of your failures, because of your embarrassment? There was Peter. I will die for you. I will lay my life down. Jesus is like going, listen, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he did. And Jesus looked at him, and Peter's like, I can't deal with this. And he ran. I'm convinced sometimes we live lives on the run because we wrestle with our sin and our shame. You see, guilt and shame are heavy burdens. And we carry the weight of our wrongs. Those things which we have done as well as those things which others may have done to us. And, and they become the things we don't talk about. But they weigh us down. They impact our lives and we wonder, how is it that I can even stand? It's interesting when you read the Bible because they got all these different words that we, we come across sometimes. So we come across a word like righteous or unrighteous. And the idea of righteous means that I can actually stand in a place with confidence and peace. And what sin does is sin does something in our hearts and our minds that we can't even stand in those places. That we can't stand before God on our own because we know we bring this baggage and we bring this hurt and we've got these things we're not proud of. Things that we may have done, things that may have been done to us and we carry the weight of our shame. I'm sure for Peter, there was this sense that his failures disqualify him. My failures have killed my future. My brokenness has robbed me from experiencing good. I don't think there's any surprise that Peter just simply said, I'll just go back and do what I used to do. And sometimes we end up back in places we were because you're just like, oh, you know what, I just, I can't manage the guilt and the shame. Yet here's Jesus having a very hard conversation with Peter where he asks them three times, do you love me? And they are the remedy for the three denials. You see, Jesus deals with our history to liberate us for our future. Because of the grace of Jesus, I want you to hear this deeply. Our failures don't have to be fatal. See, sometimes you're like, I will never experience this good and I'll never experience this because you don't understand what is in my past. You don't know what I have 
done. Well, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can actually experience His grace and His goodness so that we don't have to bear the weight of the shame and the guilt. The truth is, is others may not be able to look past our failures. But Jesus can. Jesus can. And it is His grace that restores our standing. Again, the idea of righteous means that that we have the ability to stand with confidence in God's presence. Yet sometimes dealing with our guilt and our shame means we have to process hurts. Jesus' difficult conversation with, with, with Peter was in order that this thing that he's been through may not be the thing that keeps him from living forward. I want you to know dealing with our failures is not always easy or comfortable, but it is necessary so that we might live the purpose we were created for. Now, as we go through the story, I want to note the next thing really quickly is that the grace of Jesus is growing our capacity. Not only does He confront our issues, but the grace of Jesus Christ grows our capacity. Again, you remember the upper room, Peter said this, I will lay down my life for you. I want you to hear within it that, that, that with, for Peter, it was a noble and a good claim. He saw in Jesus one worth dying for. He saw in Jesus one who, who's, who's, if you could live a life for Jesus, if you could give your life for Jesus, it was enough. It would mean your life was worthy. That's how he saw Jesus. It's interesting as you keep reading the story that Jesus says this to Peter. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, You dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, follow It's interesting on the night that Jesus was arrested that Peter could not stand up to a teenage girl and identify his life with Jesus. He wrestled and he struggled with the fear and the danger and was overwhelmed by by the perceived threat that he says, you know what, I can't do this. Yet Jesus would tell Peter, who you were is not who you will be. Who you're not, who you were, is not who you will be. By my grace, I will change you. 
You know what tradition tells us? Church history tells us about Peter's death. That during the time of Nero, who was the emperor of the Roman Empire, in that time, Peter was arrested because he was a follower of Jesus and his influence upon the church. Now, when he was young, a teenage girl would cause him to flee, yet in spite of the danger, he continued to serve the congregation he was a part of. He continued to bear witness for his risen Savior. And when he was arrested, he was tried. And when he was tried, he was found guilty of following this Jesus. And because he was guilty, he was sentenced to death. The type of death that was reserved only for people who were non-citizens of the Roman Empire, and that was crucifixion. And Peter said, I don't deserve to die in the same manner as my Savior. He says, if you're going to crucify me rather than crucifying me like Jesus, will you crucify me upside down? And instead of running away, he was led to a place he didn't want to go, but was willing to do so, that he might glorify God. The grace of God is, wants to do stuff in you. Listen, I know some of you, you have made bold commitments in your life. Whether it was to follow Jesus or you're making bold commitments to, to live a life that honors him. And then all of a sudden you found yourself in a place by sometimes your choice, sometimes the choice of other people, and, and you feel broken. And you look at yourself sometimes and you're like, I am a failure. I can't do this. I want you to know what the grace of God will do and work in your life. Who you are is not who you will be. When God's grace begins to work in you, when you choose to follow Him, He will grow your capacity. He will grow your ability to endure and not only just hit setbacks, but be able to bounce back and to live a life that brings glory and honor to Him. The last thing I want to note from the story is that the grace of Jesus is intensifying our focus. So Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, who was following them. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? This is John, the one who writes this letter. And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him, to, want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Basically, Jesus is saying, because Peter's like, what about John? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus is like, that's not your concern. That actually doesn't matter. Follow me. You see, we often live lives that get distracted. And I want you to know, distraction robs us of strength. 
Like when, when, when we have a focus, I'm going to move in this direction, but then all of a sudden our time and our, our energy starts moving in all these different areas, we lose the strength to keep moving toward the purpose that we initially set. And sometimes in life, what we begin to do is we, we, we live lives where we are looking around rather than looking up. And we see other people's lives and what people are experiencing and people are doing. And we say, well, I want to do that and I want to do that. And oh, oh, I wish my life was like this. And instead of living the purpose, all of a sudden, we're overcome by the distraction. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, what everybody else is, what's going on in their life, that's not the thing that matters. What matters is that you follow me. And I want you to know that if we are going to develop resiliency, we have to have a focus, a clear focus. Rather than getting distracted by all these different things, we have to choose to follow Jesus. You see, it's the grace of Jesus that enables and empowers our stand. And, and so if we're going to develop resiliency, there, there's some things we need to do. First thing I would say we need to do is we need to love Jesus back. Our strength is rooted in Jesus' love for us. I want you to know, no matter where you're at, you are not forgotten, you are not forsaken. Your failure is not greater than God's love for you. And we need to allow His love to kindle a deep and abiding love for Him. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I do. I love you, Lord. If you want to find strength to make it through your difficulties, love Jesus back. You see, we live in this messed up world where we think that our love earns something. Like, you know, if I, if I just do the right things, then I will be loved. Good news. You were loved before you did anything. And you are loved, even with what you've done. If we're, going to respond, if we're going to develop resiliency, we also need to respond to his call. It was Jesus who told Peter, Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Peter, I want you to be a part of my purpose. I'm convinced that you and I, if we are going to develop resiliency... We need to have a purpose that is rooted in something higher than ourselves. A purpose that actually flows from a relationship with God. I'm going to tell you something that bugs me. Is that okay? Because I see this throughout our culture. I see this promoted all the time. And it is such stupidity. It bugs me. And that is this. You ready for it? I just want to be happy. Happiness is what I'm created for. I deserve to be happy. Do you know how foolish an aim that is? Let me explain. Happiness is actually an emotion. How many know emotions go up and down? Okay. What happiness is, how we often define it, is we have something that's kind of like the median emotional state in our life, 
Things that are above it make us happy. Things below it make us unhappy. Y'all with me on this one? Y'all with me on this one? And we're like, I need to be happy. Well, what happens if you're happy, like this is your median line, but you're always happy, what happens to your median line? It goes up. And all of a sudden, that which made you happy isn't making you happy anymore because it's become your new median. Well, I got to do something else to make me happy. Do you know how many marriages are destroyed because a spouse says, I'm not happy anymore? Do you know how many people wreck their lives because they're like, you know what, I'm not happy where I'm at. I'll go chase this thing. And it makes them feel good for a moment. But you can't sustain the happiness. And our culture says you deserve to be happy. Do whatever you want to make you feel happy. And all you're doing is setting your life up for misery. Because you can't be happy all the time. We need a better aim than happiness. Our aim needs to be significance. Significance means I live a life that matters for something bigger than me. How many know that as a parent, your kids don't always make you happy? <laughs> what? I know, it's a surprise. I know. My kids don't make me happy all the time. How quickly? If your aim is happiness and your kids don't make you happy, what do you think you're going to do to your kids? Just asking. But how many know that being a parent... Boy, it gives, you, it, it gives you a meaning that's actually bigger than you. And there are times, like as a parent, like I sit back and I go, yeah, there were the long nights. There was the wrestling through this different junk. But now I look at my kids and I go, oh, my word. I don't know about you, but for me, you know what? One of the best things about my life is that I get to be a dad and now a grandpa. There's a meaning in that that's far bigger than just me. And the happiness is actually the byproduct. See, what, what we need in our life is we actually need a higher purpose. And this is why I think sometimes we don't have the resiliency that we have because we keep chasing an emotion, and emotion is not going to do it. We need a purpose. Because it's your purpose that will keep you moving. It's your purpose that will get you out of bed. It is your purpose that will keep you going because you recognize, especially as it comes from God, you were created for so much more than where you're at. You see, we have to respond to that call. And this is why Jesus will have difficult conversations with us so that we might live for a purpose. My other two points, we need to grow our faith and simplify our focus, but we're going to skip those, and we're going to close. I'm convinced that what we need 
is resiliency. Some of us have set up expectations in our lives that are absolutely unrealistic. That we are not going to experience difficulty and frustration and, and failure and disappointment. That, that you know, we're going to live this pristine life. That everything is going to be good and go okay. Because that's not life. Life is filled with difficulties. And God says, listen, I want to impart to you a life that is bigger than just your own emotional state. I want to impart to you a life that is filled with meaning. I want to release you for a purpose that will lead you to a future that is far greater than what you imagine. And he says, follow me. You see, it's his grace that enables and empowers us to stand. And I know some of us, we are wrestling with our failures. We are wrestling with our histories, the stuff that we've gone through. They're the things we keep replaying in our mind. And do you know what Jesus says? He asks this question, do you love me? Do you love me? Because he loves you. You may be wrestling with a sense of failure about your life, and there may be a part of you that says, you know what? I have done so much dumb, or I've been through so much, I'm too hurt. I don't deserve, or I don't have any expectation of anything that's good. And you've lost hope. I want you to know that Jesus loves you too much to leave you there. And he loves us too much to let it be an undiscussed issue in our life. Instead, he says, will you talk with me? Will you love me? Loving Jesus gives us the capacity and the ability to overcome the difficulty of our lives. It's the love of Jesus that gives us the ability to walk with confidence rather than hang our heads in shame because of what we have done or what others have done to us. It's the love of Jesus. Worship team, you can come. So when I was preparing this message... Let me tell you what I believe God is saying to you this morning. Do you love me? To every person that is wrestling with their failures, who feels so overwhelmed, they think, I can't even look God in the eye. I can't even look myself in the eye. I can't look others in the eye because of the junk that I've done or been through. And God says, listen, that's not what you were created for. And he says, Will, do you love me? Will you just love me? Because in loving me, oh, I will bring you through. Doesn't matter what the difficulty is. It doesn't matter 
what has been done, what you have done, because of what Jesus has done. You don't have to live with shame and guilt. There's a capacity that God wants to release into your life that only comes from loving Jesus. There's a purpose that he's inviting us to that is bigger than you and me. It's time to stop looking to others and stop comparing and, and, and stop trying to find our value and our worth with what others have done, but to find our hope, our joy, our peace in Jesus. He's not done with you. So as I was... I'll get my emotions through. As I was praying through this, God wants those who feel like they're forgotten, that they're not good enough, that their history is so bad they don't deserve or they can't experience good. Jesus wants you to know he loves you. And he's not done. And who you were is not who you will be. Love him. Follow him. And with that, John ends his gospel. Because it's an appeal to you and to me that at the very end of the day, this is Jesus' message for you and for me. You can know forgiveness, you can know freedom, and you can live for a greater purpose. Love. So, Lord Jesus, Lord, we recognize, we wrestle. Oh, good Lord, we wrestle with our stuff. Lord, we wrestle with our histories and we wrestle with our wrongs. Those that we have done, those that have been done to us. And Lord, Lord, sometimes we just want to give it all up. God, it's your grace that meets us to transform us. And you love us enough to meet us. Right here in this moment, in this place. So that our lives do not have to be defined by our failures, our worst moments, our worst memories. But they can be defined by your grace. so, Lord, we need you. We, we need you, Lord. And while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe you're here and you're carrying guilt and you're carrying shame. 
And you've allowed your history to dictate your present and your future. Maybe you carry that weight where it's just hard for you even to lift your head and look to heaven. Maybe you feel God's given up on you. I want you to know God loves you. And he simply asks, do you love me? And if you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what? I'm carrying this weight and I'm ready to let it go. I'm ready to love Jesus. If you will make it your focus, if you will make it your aim, you will find a resiliency and a strength so that you can stand even when life gets difficult. If that's you this morning, will you lift your hand? Because I want to pray with you. I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, even now, we speak grace. Lord, we choose in this moment simply to say, Lord, I love you. I love you. Lord, may our love for you change everything. Lord, I release your healing right now in Jesus' name. I speak freedom. I speak life in Jesus' name. Jesus, we simply need you. Give us strength to journey well for you. In Jesus' name, amen.